0: giants come calling my name. My God is so much bigger than troubles I face. Because they know the battle is done. My God is stronger, the victory to There's no mountain too high, no valley too low, there's no
1: fear that
2: I have. He doesn't already know there's no problem
1: too big, there's no weapon too strong, there is nothing for God.
0: That's impossible! the
1: turn graves into
3: gardens.
1: You turn bones into
3: armies.
0: You turn seas into highways.
3: You're the only-
4: today that you're the only one who can. God, we just pray and uh, lift up your name. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Uh, We pray for Brother Darrell as he delivers your word. God, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
5: Moving in our midst I worship you. I worship you. you are here and working in this place I worship.
1: Darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
5: Touching every
1: That is who you are, you are. way maker, miracle worker, promise
0: keeper,
1: light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
4: Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working.
1: in the darkness
2: to say just a little something those songs today they all talked about who God is and sometimes I think we forget who God is Um, I really like to look at creation and just science and things like that Daryl and I was we were had been watching a animal thing the scientists go out and they they track the migration of a lot of different animals on the earth, and it's just it's amazing just what the animals do. But our God made those animals. Uh, one of the animals was this whale, and how massive whales are, and. If I were to fall in the water and there'd be a whale, I'd be scared to death. But God made that whale. He controls that whale. When you think about the sun and the moon and the stars and all their courses, he made those, but he not only made them, he sustains them. He keeps them going. And that song, Waymaker, he never stops working. He is always at work. Doing things behind the scenes that we we don't we don't see, and and frankly, we don't give him credit. Um, there is nothing that God cannot do. and we need to start looking at him as the awesome. I know we use that word a lot, but he is an awesome, almighty, all-powerful creator, sustainer provider protector and we just i think we just need to see him that way every day and just be just stand amazed at the god who loves us who made us who sustains us who saves us
4: amen all right if you have your bible let's go back to matthew taking off, uh, taking a couple weeks off. We are going through the book of Matthew on Sundays, Matthew chapter 5. We start a really, one of the more difficult sections in uh, Matthew, not difficult to understand, difficult to do. Somebody said, I think somebody said it well, faith is not hard to understand, faith is hard to do. Obedience is not hard to understand, it's hard to do. And so this is the Sermon on the Mount part of it, We're in Matthew chapter 5. We'll begin with verse 21 through 48. Uh, There's an outline of this on the backside of your announcements. If you want to look at that, look at that and and just know we're not going to get through that even close today. Okay? Uh, we'll We'll get started. This is a difficult thing. Jesus says some of the most difficult things that he will ever say right here. Okay? Not difficult to understand. Difficult to do. The what we call the title page we're going to have this the same title page until we get through all of this this section and it'll go through we'll begin at uh, matthew 5 21 we'll go through the rest of the chapter it's going to take us a few weeks to do that i don't really care how long it takes i'm not here this is not about meeting a schedule okay i couldn't care less about that it's about changing changing lives okay so uh, this has nothing to do with m- m- Moses parting the Red Sea other than I'm going to use that as an analogy, as an, illu- as an illustration. So we have the picture. And I don't know, I, I hadn't seen the picture until this m- morning m- Matt made that and-, and put that up there. That's pretty, uh, it is an amazing scene if you, when you see it like that. But uh, it's reality and it had to be an amazing thing. To, wouldn't that have been cool if you could have been, been there you know, and just seen that? But I went back and read the story again, and uh, uh, well, we'll get to it here in, here in a minute. In this chapter, we're going to put, put on the screen, this is also on your outline. These are the things that Jesus is going to cover. M- murder, adultery, divorce, oaths retaliation and love Uh, we're going to come back to that screen again what we're going to do next is look at the scriptures if you're looking at your outline that you've got in your lap under the term impossible and uh, here's the thing on that list murder adultery divorce Jesus is going to challenge us with things that are impossible And I want to talk to you. I'm going to spend as much time on the introduction of this as I as I need to. That's why we're not going to get through the outline today. Um, I want you. I'm going to say something. I really want you to think about. I want our church to be different. I want you to be different. Okay. I want to be different. Uh, We are live in the United States, and we have an American Christianity. We're developing an American Christianity that's a little different from other places you go. If I preach, if I preach in Mexico, uh, when I preach there, it's very different. Okay, the, the Christianity, the culture, the Christian culture there, the Christian culture in Honduras is very, very different. And I'm going to tell you a story here in a minute that kind of proves that, that out. We give up too quickly on the, the truth that God can do the impossible through us. And when Jesus talks about these things, in Matthew, the people who were sitting, the disciples who were sitting to listen to him talk about uh, being able to turn the other cheek. And, and the, the, the things he asks of them and the things he asks of us are impossible. And too many times in the American Christian culture the American Christian church we've given up on the impossible because it's hard to do and so we uh, we feel so good about the fact that God is not going to ask us to do really hard things and not only really hard things that God is not going to ask us to do impossible things and so we say well that that can't be God asking me to do it because it's impossible and God doesn't do that right and see, that's just kind of the culture that we're falling into, we're falling backward into, that God doesn't ask us to do hard things. Isn't it ironic, the amount of Christians who don't believe that God would ask them to suffer, that God would not ask me to suffer when isn't the, the irony is that the hero of our faith, the God of our faith, died for us on a cross. <laughs> do, you, do you see the irony there? That somehow that Jesus would suffer for us, but there's no way that he would ever ask you to suffer for him. Well, I can't do that. That'd be hard. I, I, I can't do that. That would take up too much of my time. I can't do that because I'd have to give too much. The irony of that—it's becoming an American Christian culture that's going backward. It's not biblical. It's not biblical at all. The biblical thing is that a that a God will ask you to do amazing things. God will ask you to do impossible things. Okay, here's the list. Uh, just I'm going to go through these real quick. In, in Exodus chapter 14, verse 16, and I read through the story again. God said to Moses, lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. That's all he said. Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea. There's not a lot of scripture before and not a lot of scripture after it. That's all. He, Moses, stretch out your hand over that sea and divide it what would you have said? What? (laughs) What? I've never seen that done before. There's never been a General Baptist Church that's tried that. What? God, are you asking me to do that? I know that's kind of out there, and there's only one person that's ever done it. But this is the cure for this notion that God won't ask you to do the impossible and that God won't begin doing the impossible through you. If you'll let him, I can't change that much. Moses, stretch out your hand and divide the sea, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground. That's important. <laughs> That's a, it wasn't just a wind. Well, a strong east wind divided. I get that maybe, you know that might a uh, tornado come through. I, I get that maybe, but they cross through on dry ground. You can't do that without God, uh, through the midst of the sea. Next one. Uh, A virgin shall conceive. And behold, this is Gabriel speaking to Mary. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. A virgin conceiving and giving birth to the Son of God. I can't do that. That's impossible. Next one. I use this story. This came to mind because I kind of referred to this story a couple weeks ago. Paul in the middle of the uh, raging sea. Where is Moses when you need him? You know, he's in the middle of a raging sea, and it looks like all is lost. I went back and read that story. again. I I think it said that the sun has not shone for 14 days. For two weeks they haven't seen the sun, just nothing but constant storm, all hope is lost. And an angel comes to Paul and says, do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all these who sail with you. Now he's in the middle of a raging sea, just about every, all hope is lost, they've thrown overboard everything that they can get a hold of. Paul, don't don't worry about it. You're going to stand before Caesar now. If I'd have been Paul, I said, "God, I don't even know if I'm getting out of this alive." All right, the impossible. God asks us sometimes to do the impossible. We're going to put that list back up before we look at the first one, which is murder. Uh, okay, I, I was listening. One of my favorite pastors I like to listen to is good good. Preacher, good expository Bible studier, but he's preaching along, and, and and he's and he's still good. Preachers do this. We come up with examples, and while we're up here, you know, I haven't really hadn't thought this through, but I'll give you some examples, whatever. So he was talking about hardship, about Christians going through hard things, Christians going through tough times. So he said, you know, it's like when you go to Starbucks. And you order your coffee, and I I know he hadn't thought about this. So you go to Starbucks, and and you order your coffee, and you come back, and you ask for a certain kind of cream, and they give you another kind of cream, right? And they panned the audience, and they were shaking their head, yeah, that's really bad. You know, that's really tough. That's what I mean. Now, I know he's not basing his faith on a bad day at Starbucks, that's what I mean when it, it's bothersome to me when a really good preacher, and he, and he is, he still is, but coming up with a difficult day that his congregation can associate with is a bad cup of coffee at Starbucks. And so I, you know, I was thinking all this thing through, so I thought about Paul, you know, the last, the, the last quote there in the sea. And th- I think it's in Corinthians where he kind of gives a list of some of the things he's been through. He said, I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been beaten with rods. I've been, I was dragged out, I think it was Lystra, I was dragged out of the city, stoned, left for dead. One time they had to lower me out of Uh, off the wall in a basket so I could escape the town from being killed. I've been in prison countless times. And oh yeah, there was that time in Ephesus at Starbucks when I got that cup of coffee. He said, that just was terrible. Don't don't be that way. (laughs) Let's don't be that way. Let's don't be the christians who give up let's don't be the christians who turn back let's don't be the christians who As the Lord begins working on us and in us and begins this this work of change in us, we say, oh, wait a minute, what you're asking me to do is too hard. When people read this last part of Matthew chapter 5, almost inevitably we read through it and we just kind of discount it because it's so out there. And we're not used to out there. It's so different from what we see in our everyday life when we look at everybody around us. And it's hard for us to be different from everyone around us. But week after week here till we get to the end of the chapter, I'm going to ask us, us, that means me, I'm going to ask us to be different from what we see in the Christianity around us. I'm not talking about being better. I'm not talking about being superior. I'm talking about being biblical and talking about the Holy Spirit doing work in us that is often just discounted as if, oh, well, you know. no, Nobody does that. Nobody really does that, you know. Well, I want to really do that. I want to really do what the Bible has. Now, I've got a note here to say This, uh, before we go to murder, which you know, it's going to be fun, but uh, conviction and condemnation. I want to make sure you get this. I'm not going to apologize one time for anything the Bible says, but there is conviction that is from the Holy Spirit. The Bible is very plain about that. John 14, 15, and 16 Holy Spirit conviction. That's where He convicts us of sin. He shows us our sin. He brings to remembrance our sin. He touches you. He talks to you. He puts his finger. Nobody can put their finger on sin like the Holy Spirit is. Many of you have been upset with me for some times, you know, because you thought I was preaching at you. No, I wasn't. Who was preaching at you? The Holy Spirit was, right? I don't know what's going on inside of you. He knows it right now but he puts his finger on it, that's conviction. That's Holy Spirit conviction of sin. When you feel that, all that means is God's putting his finger on it and says, we can take care of this. We can forgive this, and you can repent of this and move on. That's Holy Spirit conviction. Let's take care of it. Let's deal with it. Let's get it behind us. Let's get it forgiven. Let's repent of that. Let's change our mind about that, and let's move on. Holy Spirit conviction is always, let's get it behind us. Let's move on. Let's get it behind us. Let's deal with it. Let's move on. The other biblical word is condemnation. It's different. And Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, there is now therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Okay? There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's conviction, which is what? You deal with the sin, it's forgiven, you move on. You deal with the sin, it's forgiven, you move on. Condemnation is from Satan. And condemnation is you sin, you're w- w- worthless, you'll never, you'll never be any good, you're going to wallow around in that sin, you can't get out of that sin, you're stuck in that sin, look, you sinned again, look, you sinned again. And the condemnation is you'll never be any good. That's condemnation. I will not condemn you, ever. Because in the next few weeks, if I condemn you, then I also have to condemn who? Me. Because brothers and sisters, I'm right there with you. There's nothing on this list. Let me, let me think of how I'm going to say that. There's nobody in this room that's not going to struggle with something on this list. There is no one in this room because there is no one who is not going to struggle with something on this list. Myself included. So next few weeks, as I always try to do, I'm not going to preach at you. I'm going to try to preach for you. I'm going to try to preach with you, okay? Because I struggle just like you do. But we're going to we're going to look at it in a convicting way. Let's deal with it. We're forgiven. We move on. Not a condemning way. We can we can move out of this. We can. We can uh, be free of this, okay? That's the difference between conviction and condemnation. Murder is the first thing Jesus talks about. The murder word in itself probably for us is not so much a struggle. It's what comes with it. So if you have your outline, we're going to have this on the screen also. Murder, verses 21 through 22. I don't know how far... Well, I can tell right now. This is how far we're going to get. Murder. Jesus said, You've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But, here's the hard part. I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, which honestly, reading, reading through all the commentators, we're not real sure exactly how to translate that word. But for the most part, what we uh, think is that it is a, uh, uh, I wrote the word, but I put it in on the, <laughs> on the side. It's a word of contempt. It's kind of a slang word that they would use at, at, that, at that time. So it's, it's a contemptuous Word calling somebody, name, naming it in a contemptuous way, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool, which is, is an insulting word, so if you if you say things to people in a contemptuous way or an insulting way, they shall be in they shall be in danger of danger of hell fire. Okay. So it's not only the issue of murder, it's the issue of the anger that goes before it. The the murder is probably not what most of us in the room need to deal with. What a lot lot of us in the room might need to deal with is what? The anger. The anger that goes with it or goes before it. Now, what I want to use, I'm going to go ahead and read this, is verses 23 through 26 Depending on how you read it some believe that this section goes with murder and anger but I want to use 23 through 26 as a guide for everything we talk about okay so let's read that and then we'll come back to the to the anger issue continue on Jesus said therefore if you bring your gift to the altar if you're coming to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. So you're coming to the altar, and you remember. It comes to your mind. That's, in, that's important. It's coming to your mind right now. You're thinking about it. You're, you remember that, somebody, that something, somebody has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest, uh, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge and the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. I'm going to use that thought And that instruction from Jesus on everything that we look at through this section. The anger that might or could lead to murder. Do do not be angry. Let me read this again. Uh, Whoever is angry with a brother without cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Rechah, or is contemptuous, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, Shall be in danger, danger of hell fire. Taking care of our anger. That's all I'm going to, all I'm going to deal with. Uh, The instruction from Jesus was on this issue of anger. Is when you are going to bring your gift to the altar. When you're in a worship service and you're coming. To the altar, or whatever that means to you, and you remember that somebody has something against you, go take care of that first. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not going to go into a lot of the psychology of anger. I wrestle with it myself. I try not to ever let you see it. I try not to ever let you see me mad but I guarantee you there's one person in the room who's seen me mad quite a few times. I can't hide it forever. I wrestle with anger too. Here's the the order. If you have had trouble with someone in the past, if someone has been angry with you, if you have been angry with someone, well, that's everybody in the room, right? But if there is something in the past, they've been angry with you, you've been angry with them, and you haven't taken care of it, when you leave church today, take care of it, all right? That's the, that's the plain, plain instruction. Jesus said, even if you're coming to the altar, don't even do that. Just stop where you're at. Go back and make it right with them first, then come back. He's serious about that. Now, Jesus is asking you to do something that's really hard to do, really hard to do. He's asking you to do almost the impossible, but we're not going to be like a lot of other folks that say, well, because it's hard to do, I'm not going to do it. No, we're not going to be that way. I feel the Holy Spirit asking me. I feel the Holy Spirit moving in me. I I believe the Holy Spirit has brought to remembrance a problem I had with someone or or a problem they had with with me, And, and, and we never did get it settled. All right. I'm not asking you the Holy Spirit right now is bringing that to your remembrance. I'll have to be honest with you. Standing here right now, of course, I've had a week to work on this. I don't have anybody that comes to my mind. But I've had all week to deal with it. You, you haven't. Is there anybody that you've had problems with in the past? That's, that somebody's had problems with you? You've been angry with them. They've been angry with you. Words were said. Deeds were done. And that needs to be taken care of. You need to take care of it. The Holy Spirit will walk with you. The Holy Spirit will go with you. Now, if it's taken care of, leave it alone. But if it's not been taken care of yet, take care of it. He'll go with you. Now, that's the past. Some of us have anger issues right now. This is, this is what, some of you can say, this is what I struggle with. I get angry so easy. I lose my temper so easy. And I can't seem to stop. You're right. You can't stop. Uh, what, last, two weeks ago, I just kind of spilled my guts and said, look, you, you can't do it. It's going to have to be the Holy Spirit working through you what you can do is recognize it and say and raise your hand theoretically and say uh yeah me i have an i have a problem with this i I get angry there's no other way to no other way to say it i mean the starbucks coffee's wrong that makes me mad get over that all right It's going to get a whole lot worse, a whole lot worse than that. But I struggle with that. I I really do. Some of these other things that are on the list, maybe you won't struggle with, but you're struggling with this one. So this morning, maybe there isn't anything in the past, but you're just big enough to admit, this is a problem that I have. And Jesus, I need help. I, I need help with this. I don't want to be this way. Now, there's the present. The future is an awful lot like the present. Lord, I don't want to be like that. I don't want, I, I've been dealing with this maybe for years. And I, I, Lord, I need you to help me with this because I don't want this to go on and on and on. I don't want to become other people that I see. I don't want to become that, for me, that bitter old man. That's not what I want to be. God, I don't want to do that. Help me. Because, Lord, that's not what I I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be the man that you want me to be. But the anger is getting the best of me. And I see what it's done to other people. And I don't want that to happen to me. Anger, when I look at it in myself, I'm just, well, I won't stay here long, anger is, is a sign of lack of faith. It's a sign of pettiness some, sometimes. But it's a lack of faith that, that God's not going to take care of it. And that, that maybe me being angry about it will solve it. When I talk harsh to people, you know I get, I get action and, and, and that will fix it, but it doesn't. And what's happening is that that anger is not only hurting other people, it's hurting you. And I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you think you look one way, other people see you a different way. Have you ever heard yourself? On tape, you ever listen to a recording of yourself? I have to go through this terrible experience of watching this, okay? And, and the first time I, I thought, that's not what I sound like. I don't, <clears throat> when I listen to myself, when, when I listen to myself talk right now, to me, it sounds like I have this deep, uh, sultanic, whatever that word is, this deep voice. When I listen to myself on tape, I don't sound like this. I thought, that ain't, that's not me. Isn't that weird how when you talk, you hear yourself one way? Well, listen to yourself being being recorded, and you, the first time you, you do that, you say, that, that's not me. Yeah, it is. You see yourself one way. Other people see you, what you're becoming, and you're not seeing it. For me, I'm just going to pick on bitter old men because that's what I could could become. Every bitter old man that I've ever known didn't think he was. But I saw it. And he became that way day by day, little by little, and the anger, the disappointment, the lack of forgiveness... The lack of Holy Spirit action caused it, and I look at that. Thankfully, I will never be a bitter old woman, and uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave y'all alone on that one. But I got to pick on somebody. <laughs> I heard Kathy Bird's name. She's. Not <laughs> wow, I better move on because she's getting angry right now. I got to get you to laugh to keep from crying. These are tough. These are tough, but I want you to see yourself as you really are and as you're really becoming. And it's the boldness, the uh, truthfulness to be able to say, God, that's not what I want. Help me. That's not what I want. Help me. We're going to stop there. We'll deal with adultery and divorce next. Won't that be fun? But uh, we'll deal with that next. Next Sunday is communion. I'm not going to deal with it then. I want next Sunday to be special for us. And I'm not even sure what all that means. But next Sunday is, is communion. I want the whole service to be about that. And we'll deal with this hard stuff in the weeks to come. But I'm going to give us a break right, right here. And uh, so I think this morning we're just going to have a guitar playing. This is our prayer time. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to have quite a few people to pray for at the very end. People, you know, we're going to come, come up and pray for others. But this morning, right now, right here, is a prayer for me and you. If there is anyone in the past, there's this relationship that needs to be worked on. Harsh words were said. Maybe harsh deeds were done. And you need to fix that. You need to fix that. And you need to not leave here today and say, well, maybe next week. No, let's do it this week. Let's be obedient to the Holy Spirit working in us. Let's do it this week. If you need to come and pray about that, I'm going to ask you to come. If you have an issue, a problem, like I do at times with anger, and I, I need help with it. I need, I need help with it. We're going to invite you to come. If you are concerned about the future, you're looking at who you will be, and, Lord, I don't want to be some of what I see. I don't want that to be me. Then you then you need to come. I, I need you to be brave enough, bold enough, to step out and say, Jesus, I need help with some things. Okay? While he plays, if you need to come and pray and come and pray.